couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this uh, Sunday before Denise and I left on our trip, but uh, about a week before we left on our trip, I conducted a funeral for a 15-year-old kid who, uh, whose favorite artist was Jared Anthony Higgins, better known as Juice World. And honestly, until I met the family, I never had heard uh, Juice World or of Juice World. And uh, sadly, Juice World died uh, not too long ago either. But I want to focus on something that he has said. Words have a lot of power. Words can be as sweet as candy or as sharp as a blade. We're living in a pretty violent, hate-filled world right now. And we see that violence and we see that hate in the words that we say. Uh, seem like they're more uh, vitriolic and uh, just freer to say, easier to say harsh words today than in my, in my lifetime anyway. But you go back to uh, first century Jerusalem and James says this, you know, if we put bits into the mouths of horses to get them to obey us, then we guide their entire bodies. Look at ships too. Though they are so large and driven by harsh winds, they are steered by a tiny rudder wherever the pilot's inclination directs. So too, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it has great pretensions. Think how a small flame sets a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. That excl exclamation point is not in the Greek language. There were no periods or commas. And so I'm not sure what, if, if James is shouting this or not, but it's an important point. The tongue is a fire. Maybe it's more meditative. I, he just wants you to think that tongue is a fire. It's not shouting at us. I think he's just wanting us to grasp that. And the tongue represents the world of wrongdoing among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the entire body and sets fire to the course of human existence and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and sea creature is subdued and has been subdued by humankind. I don't know if it goes on, but James goes on to the next verse, but nobody can tame the tongue. Jesus says this, you know, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things defile a person. What I want us to see is that I think our violence and our hate has its roots in our words, but Jesus takes it further and says that our words are rooted in our heart. So I have to ask myself, if I'm saying hateful things, if I'm saying caustic things to people, then what does that say about what's in my heart? My uncle David used to say, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. And it is my conviction that your heart is good, that we are originally blessed. We're not originally sinners. And God created your heart to be good. And in its purest form, it really is good, and it is loving. But through the circumstances and experiences of life and of hurt and of disappointments, we grow calloused in our heart. We grow bitter in our heart, and uh, it, it uh, develops violence and hate. One of the examples that we've seen recently of the power of words to damage people are the words of Yi, 
uh, Conde. And uh, he pivoted to a full-blown anti-Semitism in his tweets and interviews, and he, he vowed that he would go death con three on Jewish people. I don't know if uh, he uh, intentionally misspelled death con three or if he just didn't know, but it's really death, D-E-F-C-O-N. Maybe it's just kind of an artistic thing that he was doing. But uh, the fact that a celebrity would say such a thing, uh, I don't know if I've ever known celebrities to express such hate or musical artist that way. And what's so sad about it, even when it was protested, he never did apologize for it. We can say a whole lot of hurtful things. I've said some hurtful things to Denise in our 42 years. But they are often, if not always, quickly followed by a sincere apology. And we all say bad things. We've all done bad things. But how quickly are we and how sincere are we to apologize? So we're living in this culture in a time in which hate is really in. Over the last 20 years, the number of, of uh, hate groups has increased 100%. During the first part of President Obama's administrations, the hate group numbers declined. The second part of his administration, they began to climb. <clears throat> and by the Trump administration, the hate groups just soared, just exploded, just took off. When I was in college at Southwest Baptist College in Bolivar, my favorite class was uh, sociology. And uh, our professor introduced us to a book called The Social Animal. And Dr. Gordon Alport was quoted by this author extensively in that book. Uh, Gordon Alport was a psychologist who in the early 60s uh, pioneered the study of hate, that you can actually study hate, and he came up with this, uh, what he called a scale of prejudice. So on one end of the scale of prejudice was a, uh, was, you know, genocide, just violent, horrible, violent hate crimes. But on the other side of the scale were things uh, more benign that maybe we don't even think about sometimes. There were things like uh, thinking that our group is inherently better than another group and then refusing to socially interact with people in the other group. On a TED Talk by Sally Cohn, she talked about hate, and she said, we have a big problem, and we need to solve it, not just on the extreme of the genocide, but on the other extreme of just how we feel about people. I think we can all agree that a group marching down the street uh, with lanterns shouting, Jews will not replace us, we all agree that's hate. But how about if we f believe that our group, whether it's our racial group, our religious group, our sexual group, whatever group you want to say, 
But what about if we believe our group is better than another group, but we don't say it? We believe it, we just don't say it. Isn't that still hate? Or what if we believe that, that our group is better than another group, but we don't even know we believe it, which is called implicit bias? Isn't that hate as well? Then you look at the historic patterns of racism and sexism that have shaped our history and still infect our society in the present. Isn't that hate as well? I'm not saying that everything, and Dr. Allport was not saying that everything on the scale is equal in the effect, but they're all an expression of hate. Like being a bully and being a Nazi may not be the same thing, but they both have a root of hate. And I think all of us will admit and agree that hate is a problem today. But my problem is that I think hate is their problem, not my problem. And sometimes I fail to examine my own heart to see if I think my group's better than another group. And if I find myself despising other groups. So in our culture of hate, it does us good, I think, to hear again this story of Remember the Titans. And even though, as I mentioned, this movie is 20 years old, we still need its lessons today. I'm going to just mention three of these lessons. The first lesson is to learn from the dead. Coach Boone, played by Denzel Washington, is fed up with his players just refusing to treat each other with respect and to see past their differences and come together as a football team. So Coach Boone takes his players and the coaches to rural uh, Pennsylvania for a 3 o'clock in the morning run, and they end up on the site of the uh, Battle of Gettysburg. Take a look at this clip. If we don't learn from the past, if we don't learn from our history, then we will be destroyed. Just like they were. We have a, we're in a culture where we're afraid to look at our, the skeletons in our closet and our not so glorious past. Because we don't want to look in the mirror and see what we've done. Coach Boone's words remind me of the prophet Zechariah who said to the people of Israel, don't be like your ancestors. Well, how would they know to be like them or not to be like them? They studied them. They told stories about them. The prophet says, in the past, the prophet spoke to them, to your ancestors, and said, the Lord all-powerful wants you to change your evil ways of living, of living. Stop doing evil things, but your ancestors did not listen to me. This is what the Lord said. Are we not able to look at our past and see what our ancestors did? And I'm not just dissing our ancestors, but can we not have an objective view of what was done in the past 
and see that, gosh, they did evil things. They did hateful things. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that way. The message of Coach Boone was a message of Zechariah, and it's a message for us today. Just let me give you two examples of our ancestors. First has to do with racism, which is the subject of this movie. As a young Christian, I was taught about the heroic behavior of men like William Wilberforce, who I was told, and it's true, stopped slavery. He he did that in England uh, years before it came to the United States, years before it ended in the United States. But when I was taught about Christianity and slavery, uh, Wilberforce was about the only one that we talked about as, as a kid. You know, it wasn't until I was an adult pastoring Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church that I began to study it myself at the public library here in Springfield about the past and about how Christians were not just implicated in slavery, but were the leaders, the forefront of slavery. It was then that I learned that the vast majority of white Southern Christians defended slavery. And then it was a real shocker. I never learned this at Southwest Baptist or Southwestern Baptist Seminary, that the own, my own denomination of my youth and of uh, four generations of pastors in my family, Southern Baptist pastors, wasn't until I was a 30-year-old adult that I learned that the Southern Baptist Convention was formed to propagate slavery and defended it by their interpretation of Scripture. I was never taught that. Was it a harsh lesson? Yeah. It saddened me more than it angered me. But we have to learn from our history. And there's not just racial hatred, there is religious hatred. Our church is better than your church. Our faith is better than your faith. On and on and on that goes. There was a word back in the day uh, called a heretic, and this is Joan of Arc being uh, burned at the stake. Starting in the 12th century, the the, the church hunted down and killed people whose theology varied from theirs, did not match theirs. Thomas Aquinas, who lived in the 13th century, was at that time Christianity's greatest thinker. And Thomas Aquinas says, with regard to heretics, they deserve not only only to be separated from the church by excommunication, but also to be severed from the world by death. Wish I had a nickel for every time somebody's called me a heretic in the last 10 years. No, probably 12 years. Excommunicated? Yeah. But executed? That's Christian against Christian. Not racial. Religion. Those of us who remember the, the battle in Ireland between the late 60s and the late 90s. It wasn't between races. 
it was between white Catholics and white Protestants hating and killing each other to the tune of 3,500 people died. Not just racial prejudice, but there's religious prejudice. Let's learn from history where hate can mm, and maybe even will lead. Second lesson, be like Louis. Louis was a lineman for the Titans. And uh, it's a better picture of him right there. On the first day of practice at lunch, Louis sits at a table that was predominantly uh, occupied by his black teammates. And there was a conversation. Julius, kind of the leader of uh, the black teammates from, uh, who, who had uh, uh, come over to the school, he said to Louie, what, what, what are you doing? Eating lunch? I see you eating lunch, but why are you eating over here? Why don't I go over there with your people? Man, I don't have any people. I'm with everybody, Louis. I'm with everybody. I don't have any people. I don't have a group. When are we going to get to the point where we realize I don't have a group? The whole planet's my group. I belong to this group called humanity. I belong to this group called Earth. I'm so moved by the stories of astronauts who were the, one of the ones of the first astronauts to see from a distance the planet Earth. And so many times their stories are the vision of the planet erased from their mind the division that they had been taught about the peoples that inhabited the earth. No boundaries from that perspective. No borders from that perspective. We are just one. And honestly, until we begin to see that we're just one people, until we let go of our group, we're still going to have fights, hatred. Man, I don't have any people. I'm with everybody. So my lesson I want to learn is be like Louis. Paul says something similar. He says there are no groups. Not the Jew group, the Greek group. Slave or free, male or female. All of you are one in Christ Jesus. Why don't we live that way? Why have followers of Jesus, well, they're not following Jesus, they're Christians. You know that you can be a Christian and not a follower of Jesus? You may not be a Christian, but still be a follower of Jesus. But that's in the Christian box, scripture right there. I don't know how many proclaimed Christians actually believe that and Follow that. It's an important point for Paul. He says it to the Colossians too. He says here, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Uh, it's a, a group. It's kind of a bad news group. Slave or free, but Christ. Okay, Christ is all. 
Christ is in all. He's in, even in those bad news Scythians over there. Wow. There is divinity in all. Christ is all in all. In every group, Christ is there. Until we see that, we're going to always have this us versus them mentality. Well, the Titans win the regional championship, and Julius, the, the leader of the black group at school, and there's his counterpart in the white group named Gary. Well, Julius is involved in a car accident that leaves him paralyzed from the waist down. And this scene brings Gary, the white leader, and Julius, the black leader, together. I was moved by it. Of course, it didn't take much to move me. But take a look at this hospital scene. When Julius went into Gary's room, you notice that Gary lifted up his fist. That was a reference to an earlier part of the movie when they were at this camp and they were roommates. And Julius had put on his wall a poster of the 68 Olympics when the uh, Olympic athletes were winning the, the medals at the ceremony. They lifted up their arms as a black power protest, and Gary told Julius that he wasn't going to stay in a room with that poster. So for Gary to raise his hand in solidarity with Julius, It's something that I want us to do. I want us to be in solidarity with those who are marginalized and objects of our hate. In Julius's terms, we live for a time where there won't be this black and white. When Paul says there's not this group or that group, but Christ is all and in all that unifying of all people. That scene showed us that Coach Boone's mission was accomplished. Hate for that team, anyway, was replaced with love. Exclusion gave way to inclusion. They moved from being adversaries to brothers. In this TED Talk, Sally Cohn tells a story about Bassam Araman. He, he was 16 years old. Bassam tried to blow up an Israeli military convoy with a grenade. He failed, but he was still sent to prison for seven years. And when he got to prison, they showed a movie of the Holocaust. And uh, Bassam was a Holocaust denier conspiracy, kind of like Alex Jones with Sandy Hook. But he went to see the movie because he thought he would enjoy seeing Jews being killed. But as he watched that movie, he broke down crying when he saw what really happened. When Bassam was released from prison, he went to grad school and got his master's in Holocaust studies. And he started an organization that would bring 
Palestinian combatants along with Israeli combatants together to work together for the common good, to work together for peace. And he admitted that, yes, I hated Israelis. But then he says, I got to know them. I started listening to their stories and working together for peace. I don't hate them. I love them. He even went so far as to saying, I even love the soldier that killed my daughter. See, his daughter, 10 years old, was walking to school one day when the Israeli military shot her and killed her. He said, yes, I do love him, and I forgive him. And then he said this, that soldier who shot the bullet that killed my daughter was just a product of the same hateful system as was I. A lot of us have grown up in a, in a system that has taught us to hate certain people. Maybe not to the point of killing them, but certainly seeing ourselves as better than them. Are we willing to unlearn? Nelson Mandela, you've heard this before, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Honestly, it may be trite, but it's true that babies don't hate. This is a picture of two students who came back to school after a year off from COVID. They were so glad to see and to be with each other again. Children will happily play with people of other races and other religions until their parents tell them that that was wrong. Yeah, to hate groups, we have to be taught to hate. John writes in his letter, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. That's a harsh statement. John doesn't say that Anyone who hates is like a murderer, but is a murderer. And I have no idea what that means. Maybe it means that he's a murderer in his attitude. Or maybe it means that a person who hates uh, may not kill the body, but a person who hates kills the spirit of the person who is hating and probably kills his own spirit too. Maybe what guns and bombs do to a body, hate does to the spirit of people. So I don't know exactly what John meant by that, but I do know that to follow Jesus means that I had better check the hate that I cannot personally, and this may be different for you, but where I am in my life, I cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and hate. 
I can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and hate people that I think are not as enlightened as me. John goes on to say, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And anyone who does not love, you're just killing yourself. You remain in death, your soul. John records Jesus saying this, something that we all know. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If that's true, why are Christians so full and guilty of hate? Well, 10 years later, Gary, the guy that had a car accident and paralyzed from his waist down, has another car accident. And in this one, he dies. And as is the nature of funerals, it's a reunion. And this particular funeral was a reunion of that football team who gather at Gary's funeral. Let's take a look at this last scene. I just close with her words. When you're tempted to reach for hate in an attitude or in a word, or in an action, she said, remember the Titans. But let's substitute that. When we are tempted to reach for hate, remember who we are. Followers of Jesus, in whom Christ lives. Remember who you are, reflect who you are. And release today the teachings of hate and exclusion in which we were raised.